Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Burlington. Except no sandwiches. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to an impromptu um, Acton conversation this Friday, Grey Friday afternoon. Joining me at the show's intellectual powerhouses, Mr. Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good afternoon, Nick. We're, we're entering into this with no show notes. It's going to be the, the Acton Mill free jazz Christmas special, <laughs> I think. <laughs> we're, we're, we're making this up on the hoof listeners. All I've got is um, Ryan's post that he put on the London football scene the other day to work from. I'm going to try and maximise that. Um, a man who's never short of a word or two or opinions when it comes to Millwall also joins our call. Mr. Harry Warren, how are you doing, H? I'm doing very well. Firstly, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy lockdown, not quite Christmas. Trying Strange. to be the positive person in the show today yeah. for a change. There you go. I think one listener in the raffle uh, had Harry down as the one bringing the Christmas cheer. Uh, you know, a bit of the atmosphere, <laughs> I think, on that one. We we got a great review the other day, which was scathing about Michael Avery. And I mean, I love Michael, and he's he's the most innocuous guy. <laughs> he got slaughtered in that review. I'm, I'm not going to put it online, listeners, because it was. It, I, I mean, once again, I seem to get this praise of being the the, the voice of reason and and light and the, the kind of Jesus of Millwall kind of thing. And then poor Michael, who, who never offends anyone, got slaughtered in it, didn't he? But not <laughs> offending anyone, I think, was the same. They basically slammed him for not having an opinion. I think. Yeah, and his absence speaks volumes on this show. If I took the feedback seriously, I'd have jumped off Tower Bridge by now, wouldn't I? The the line that I liked, Harry, was that uh, even Harry, although he lacks logic, makes occasional sense. And I thought that was kind of good. That's Millwall, isn't it? Even though it lacks logic, it makes occasional sense. I think that's the rage. <laughs> Anyway, listeners, you haven't seen the review, so it's it's a bit off to be talking about something you haven't seen. Um, we 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 are gathered here today, dear listeners, to try and consider the the um, the crossroads. I'm just looking at Ryan's um, essay that he put on essay. I mustn't keep calling it that. It's it's an article on the London football scene describing Millwall being a with the January transfer window looming, of course being at a crossroads and it puts every time i see the word crossroads and Millwall, i'm forever stuck with that banner that the uh, the homesdale fanatics put up a few years ago the monkey was standing at the crossroads pointing to league one kent which actually we seem to be going to and um i don't know where else it was pointing, it was pointing like oblivion i think it would have been oblivion it's league, one, wasn't it? league one yeah we were at a crossroads um ryan and a great piece mate incisive 
um, and to the point, um, because we are, as we saw at Peterborough, and there may be other factors regarding that Peterborough result, which we might touch on um, in a bit, but um, we do seem to be a very average championship side with ideas slightly above our station in some ways, because uh, the, the, the playing performances this season just haven't been good enough to think seriously in terms of top six, have they? Yeah, but they've not been bad enough to put all of that out of your head either. Do you know what no. I mean? They're, <laughs> they're up and down and it's it's really frustrating. I think, Mill, that, that's why I, the, the piece I was, you know, we we're told to do like your January transfer piece of, you know, where do you think the team can improve? And it, it kind of ended up on a bit of a grander scale of what what are we doing at the moment? It's it's It seems like every summer now we, we seem to be approaching a point of, well, we're at a bit of a rebuild. You know, mm. maybe we need a we need to get a few players out, get a few players in, and, and really rebuild because where we are at the moment, you don't really know where we're going, and it's you know we 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 want to be on the cusp of being a playoff side. Obviously, COVID's had a massive impact. We're not a financial powerhouse in the championship by any stretch of the imagination, but we have the core of something there that is always well with a couple of additions with a run of form, then we're right in it, and mm. you know. To go from the Birmingham performance to the Peterborough performance, which is something we've seen quite a lot this season, where we've we've performed really well and then awfully the next game. But those two especially kind of highlighted the whole situation with Millwall. And it makes you think of, you know, you see so many teams in the Championship really gamble, especially in January or on transfers or whatever, throw a load of money at something to try and get to the Premier League. And Millwall, obviously, not really in a position to do that. And as many fans might want them to do that, that's a massive risk, especially how everything is now. But if we don't do that, do we just accept, you know, championship We're mid-table? Drift. Yeah. Is that, that fine? Do we do we become the new Ipswich town? I'm sure Harry would love us to do that. <laughs> you know, but do we become the new perennial 12th to 10th championship side? Is that is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? It's it's hard to it's see what... Thing. <laughs> there you go. So it's hard to say. I mean, I, I mean, for a long term, long term for the club, it's unsustainable to be a mid-table championship team because you don't get paid enough money to be a mid-table championship mm. team as a club like Millwall. Um, I, I think, that, like reading the article, and you know, let's take Harry Warren chat in the motion out of this. The logical two steps are either you back Gary Rowett or you let Gary Rowett go in the summer. I don't think we should be backing really Gary Rowett this this um, January transfer window, unless it is to replace sort of probably a centre-back because we know Alex Pierce isn't good and we know Ballard's out for three months. So for me, unless you're going to bring one back, that's where you're bringing any, any kind of strength in. Um, the players that he's brought in this year, you, you have to start questioning everything. So the club are building the new training ground, so that's costing money, so that's in the background. COVID obviously is a major thing. Then you have to look at Gary Rowett's contract that runs out this season. Is that correct? He runs out at the end of this year. Or is so. It? Don't yeah, so, Does so, it? so Rowett's out of contract. So then you're asking, well, going forward, are we happy with this project or has this project reached its natural conclusion? As this cycle, you know, he took us away from being a League One side that can play championship football, and which arguably he's done. But are we now at a stage where we need something new I think Gary Rowett is an uncomfortable fit for Millwall Football Club um, in terms of style and in terms of understanding what he's got in us as in a fan base. 
Um, but that also is the flip side of do Millwall fans know what they've got in Gary Rowett? Now, I think Gary Rowett is like buying your wife a toaster for Christmas. It sounds like a good <laughs> idea at the time, but when she opens it on Christmas Day, you're not ne- she's not necessarily thrilled that you bought her a toaster. You know, she'd much prefer a perfume or, or, or something else, you know, something exciting. And um, I, I just think... As well, as well with the with the COVID thing, I don't think he's a COVID manager. If that makes sense, he's um, when you go to the den, you want to be taken for an hour and a half out of your life. You want to be invested in this game, this experience, and he doesn't play the kind of football that does that. On times he has the Birmingham performance was a Millwall performance, the Stoke game earlier on in the season, but these are instantaneously shut down by his press conferences afterwards, which don't talk about the positive of that performance. They seem to always be very negative. Whereas he was trying to look for the positives in the Peterborough performance, which I couldn't see any other than the fact there were, that... There were no positives in that, that game, H. I mean, there, there I, may I just, be... It's not supposed no. to be Rowick bashing. It's just logical questions asked about where where we want to go. I, I'm very much the idea that I've seen enough of this. I don't think he's done a bad enough job to be sacked. I'd like to make that very clear, but I do want change. Now, the logical... Uh, this would be a thirst for Millwall. I, I can't remember us ever just going to the end of a manager's contract, other than Jacket, I suppose, and just going, it's time to change. The problem is, is that I don't think we're cutthroat enough as a club to know that we're not going to renew mm-hmm. Rowett and in the background, in some secret room, John Berylson and Steve Kavanagh are having a chat about managerial targets. And if we I think did, John, John Berylson with- is... Um- John Berrison is a very loyal man. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it's a good point with Jacket there. Which, um, I mean, we didn't let Jacket go. He went. Um, I yeah. Think the, the, famously, there was a, a board meeting, I think, where they were gathering to talk about Kenny's plans for next season. And Kenny's plan for next season was to leave. So he, he it was his decision. You know, now that looking back, we can probably see the whys and, and the rights and wrongs of that. Um, we, we don't as a club have um we've we've a sack in crisis we're at relegation crisis as we did with um holloway and and to some extent with lomas and others in in uh, in history but we, we're not really a ruthless club right now we, we don't go around chopping and changing like some do it's an expensive no route. yeah yeah that's, that's I, think, I, think that's big, I think that's a big part of it um like even harris resigned you know he wasn't sacked yeah. by the club i don't think the club had any intentions of um, of, of sacking him when he left. <clears throat> the, the the question of Rowett's contract, I think, is a, is a big thing that looms over the January. I didn't really touch on it in the piece because I, I think it's still maybe a bit early. You know, it's not even January yet, so it's a bit early maybe to, to speculate on it. And, and I'm I'm 95% sure it's up at the end of this season and I wouldn't want to be wrong. Um, mm. But, you know, Rowett came in. It's, it's the, the, the three-year plan is what, what we were told as fans as... Um, that's what Rowett's coming in for. You know, you've got three years to become a championship side, so uh, a playoff side. <clears throat> so mm. he's failed. Let's not say yet. At the moment, he's on course to fail that. But then obviously he turns around and goes, well, COVID happened. And, you know, our home form went out the window last year. Um, we have no money. The budget I had is even less than probably what he was given or what he was told he'd be given. Obviously, he did spend a bit before that all happened you know he was allowed to bring in some players in January the, the one window he had before Covid <clears throat> it looked like he was going to get the backing and obviously you know it's it's almost going to be a massive sliding doors moment for the next five ten years now of the the Forest game where we won 3-0 and then Covid comes in and stops us you know whatever happens after that if the Covid hadn't existed is just it's going to be a massive what if for the club because that looked like that was going to set us on course to at least finish in the in the playoffs and make us a attractive prospect going forward. So 
the, the massive question is it's, it's a question of foresight and like Harry's saying do the club have the history and do they have the maybe cold-bloodedness you need of negotiating someone in through the back door while showing the other manager out the front door you know I don't, are, I don't think that's I don't think that's John Barrelson sorry on, I'd, I'd ask you both would you want that, that that's the question do, do you want that are you ready do you want John? Because I, I think you should I think you should be judged on I think the COVID excuse is an excuse I, I still have been given a lot of Millwall money. There's been no youth development. Now, Millwall need youth development. This is based around that you must put these players in. Okay, you can argue Billy Mitchell is in the side now, but that's only really started to happen again this season. That was left out for a long time. The rest of those young players, Danny Mack's in the side, but I think that's out of necessity rather than, um, I mean, he was dropped for a long period of time while Leonard mm. was still playing there. Yeah. These players are not naturally progressing under Gary Rowett. Mm. Now, that's fine, but financially, Millwall need to basically turn themselves into a business. I question, I question us when we go to places like Peterborough last week, who always tend to sign players for not a lot of money and always sell them for quite a bit of money. And we need to do that model. Now, I've not seen Gary Rowett do that. I've seen Gary Rowett you know, by players that he's worked with before. He's very loyal to his players. Um, yeah. But the squad size, you know, I go back to eight midfielders. Mill can't have eight midfielders. We can't, we can't, because we don't have the budget, the yeah. wage budget, the structure to do that. And these also are also, an option in other positions as well. It, exactly. You know? so, so you sit there and go, has he made mistakes? You judge him, you know, football is football, but it's also a business. And you, you'd be judging him on, on what he's done now. And that sliding doors moment was the same for other clubs. Other clubs come back from COVID and did better or worse or, or wherever and they ended up the same. Everyone's in the same boat. So I don't really buy that. I I, I understand that it would have put more problems into there. But then you, you look at look at the signings. I, I don't rate Ojo, Ojo. And I'm assuming Ojo's on money because you don't get players from the Premier League on loan for nothing. You know, this mm. is these this is these are facts. You can only judge the man on what he's done. Now the prop then the question becomes if you do want to get rid of him as a football club, who do you get? Because there's not many managers out there at the moment that are any good at this level that are proven that are young enough that still want a job. Is, is that a, a difficult job? Is that a problem then, Ari? You're saying you you want someone who's proven at the level. Rao, it was that like like that's uh, those those cost more money. Do you you know Harris wasn't proven at any level and and did well. I think the that Millwall, it's weird that, you know, the piece I spoke about gambling on actually signing, but every decision Millwall make, it has to, there has to be an element of gambling to it, you know, because yeah. a few bad results and in the championship it is hard. That's the, whether that be appointing a manager, whether that be spending a bit of money, whether that be trying to develop young players. I think, I think I agree on the, the development side of things. I think that's not necessarily just Rowett's fault. I think that that probably dates back longer. I think Harris had a good go at it in League One. And it's easier to do in League One, a lot easier than it is in the Championship. So maybe it's the quality of youngster we have coming through. Obviously, we've never, we've never had, you know, the ones who are playing are the ones who look good enough. I thought Hayden Muller might come through this year, but obviously we've gone out on loan to St Johnston. But you know, I think that is a problem the club has had before, even holding on to youngsters. You know, our most talented ones, Abdul Malik, nearly left. You know, as they left, there's been quite a lot who have kind of slipped through the cracks, as it were, and Millwall. We just don't make any money from players that we develop. Ben Thompson is more than likely going to either leave in January or leave on a free in the summer. And he was, you know, for a time, our brightest prospect. And he looks he like he's gone for money. 
at some point you'd imagine. Um, so that's part part of the gambling. I mean, Forest I think lined up on one of their it was a cup game still, but I think it was nine of their starting eleven were from their academy. You know, we we can't really do that, and our our academies have been really well the last couple of years. And we've got that's one of the you know the one of the alternatives I put in the in the piece is that do we just you know put faith in that youth whether it be next year or this year you know I, I wrote about maybe recalling Isaac Alafe because you know we've got all of our strikers out of contract in the summer that you know they kicked off contract talks with Tom Bradshaw but that's not a guarantee he'll stay and not a guarantee that that's the best decision I think it wouldn't be a bad decision to keep him on. But Afobi's he's out of contract with Stoke, but he's only on loan. You know, there's no guarantee he'll be back next year. But Alafe is someone who's bright. You know, he's done okay in League Two since he's gone back to Sutton. He was looking like he was going to be a part of the squad until he got injured in pre-season. But, you know, is it better, okay, you, you want your young players playing, but or is it better to have him in the championship, acclimatising to the level, learning off someone like Afobi would could teach him so much. They play very similarly, you know, they're they're fast strikers who who get in behind and and harry defenders quite a lot and they they both seem to be really good goal poachers you know aphobies yeah. you know, he doesn't do he doesn't have to do a lot creatively or anything he's a finisher and alafi seems very similar to that so is it better to have him playing at sutton where he's enjoying it and doing well and getting game time or have him in training with someone like aphobi picking up tips and tricks for how to be a striker you know he's not 18 he's he's in his early 20s now you kind of start having to throw people in. You know, we've lost we've lost Ballard for three months. Do you get Alex Mitchell in to be in his cover or and, and actually give him game time? Because Ballard's not going to be here next year, whatever happens with Arsenal. But again, I still think we'd probably be out of our price range if, even if he wanted to come. Pierce will probably be gone. Hutchinson's not getting any younger. Cooper, you know, again, another one of hindsight is potentially, as we were talking, uh, the, the social we had could have sold him, you know. Um <clears throat> There's a lot of, of of what ifs, and that's why it's a, for me that crossroads of who's going to be the manager, who's going to be in the squad. Loads of our squad are out of contract. Who's going to be our team? I think on the, you know at the current at the time time being, our lineup from for the st- first day of next season is almost unpredictable. You know, Jed Wallace most likely not going to be here. Half of our midfielders probably not going to be there. That Billy Mitchell is probably the only name in the team sheet, that, and Sean Hutchinson that you can say are probably going to. Cooper as well, but to some you know. level, boys. I mean, I, I, I was interested. Um, there's been a, a kind of a story from Ipswich this week who they were going to appoint as manager. There's, you know, the kind of football world was, I think, expecting Neil Harris to be appointed, and then they've gone for this Manchester United uh, coach whose name escapes me as we're talking. Um, McKenna, McKenna. Um, and also even when and we went to, Peter, to one, two hundred to one to get relegated. Anyone who fancies that. That's very, very good odds for a man that's never managed in the football league in a club that has an unrealistic expectation. May I just put that out well, there for you there, now? There's, so there's, there's the point that I'm driving at, H. And, and even to some extent, when we went to Peterborough last week, um, they were known, everyone was saying it, they're known as being an attacking side. Um, Ipswich, rightly or wrongly, and they, they, they have past glories from you know some big European level wins in the past. But they have a self-image where they demand, rightly or wrongly, possibly wrongly, a certain type of football, a certain level of expectation. Um, and Neil didn't fit into that. So they've gone for this unknown guy from Manchester United. And, you know, as you rightly say, H, we'll see where that finishes. It might be success or it might be League Two. We'll see. Um, 
I, I, I think part of the problem for us boys, and I don't, I don't know how you, how you um, both see it, because you're both younger than me, but certainly there's a certain inbuilt um, self-image of Millwall um, as the archetypal underdogs in cup ties. We are forever, forever the, the, the big day out <clears throat> merchants, whereas league football demands possibly a more Gary Rowett-esque um, approach to league football that you you know you 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 spread your um you spread your resources across forty six games whereas we're forever obsessed with that now we've got this um, cup tie versus Crystal Palace everything hinges on on that now and it's it's almost in in our blood that we don't have any any other self image of us as a club other than blood and fire that's got to be um, I mean I'm not knocking it it's because of what I've ever known myself but. Um, other clubs have an, a self-image of themselves as a certain type of, I mean, you know, I don't want to mention the West Ham way, but they they, they have an expectation yeah. of a certain style of football, yeah. if that makes sense. Liverpool do. Um, the best clubs do. Even Ipswich do, H. It's about getting the balance, though. And you, it's so difficult to get that balance right. And I think it's a disservice to probably... You know, in League One, we weren't just, I, I, you know, you watch back some of that football. It wasn't just lump it forward. I think everyone looks back no, at it like it's 4-4-2 no, no. and, and lump back with spectacles. It was needs must. It was effective. It got us out of the division. You still had Aidan O'Brien and Wallace scoring two of the best goals I've ever seen down there on the game, two games before we went to Wembley. You, you know, you, you that team was at its pinnacle. That was the most, you know, I, I'd sum Millwall up as that I don't expect Millwall to be the best football team in the world, and nor should anyone who is listening to this. If you do, I'm sorry to break this to you. We're never going to be. It wouldn't matter. We could have a Newcastle-type owner in charge, and we still wouldn't be the best team in the world, right? But what I do expect, I expect every single player to go out there and give their all, and that is effort. That's just effort. That's about doing the simple things well. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Sometimes you have players that have all the ability in the world, but they don't give a fuck. And that is what you see at places like Arsenal, why they struggle and, mm. and so on and so forth. And I think sometimes that's what we've got wrong in the past with managers. We've gone for managers that Holloway has reached the pinnacle. He has reached the Premier League. He's not necessarily a Premier League manager, but he reached it. So then you worry about their motivation or so on and so forth. My ingrained idea of Millwall is that I believe that my club is different than any other club. And I, I don't think there is another club in this country, at least, that is like this club. Now, I understand for this club to work perfectly that the manager and the fans must be as one. And I don't think that will happen under this manager. And, and that is as simply as it is. The players feed off us and we feed off the players. And if one little thing of that is wrong, we are less than the sum of our parts. Achtung, Mehlball. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan, it's, it's been noticeable that our best performances this season have been more traditionally Millwall in feel, haven't they? I mean... I'm thinking back to the, I mean, the game against Birmingham. There was, a, was the other one? Was it Stoke? Where we 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 Stoke we, we, thrived we, in the chaos. Thrived in the chaos. It was a decisive win, and I don't, I can't remember offhand if that was a four-four-two, but it felt a bit like it from from my seat up in the um, in block one. And you know, the the Gary Rowett style, which is very functional, um, doesn't lift the spirit, and it certainly doesn't um, put many uh, mill bums on seats. It's it, it is a bit of a problem, isn't it? We 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 seem to be. Um, I mean, where are we now? We're eleventh in the table. Just looking to my to my right to my phone. Eleventh in the table, um, five points off of a six spot. And it's and as, as you put rightly in your your piece, it's very hard to see us changing that by the time May comes around. It, it, we we do look a very mid table, very average championship side, and that doesn't get get the spirits going either, does it? Yeah, we're a bit of a we're a bit of a streaky side, you know. That's what we've traditionally, and in terms of that that Millwall style, it's I think it's like hardworking, as Harry says, and you know maybe it's linked to four four two, but it's you know we're happy with direct football. Some fans won't accept direct football, like they just won't accept playing the ball forward quickly, and that doesn't mean route one. You know that that's different. You know no. that's what everyone says about Bielsa at Leeds as they get the ball forward quickly. It's not. He'll hit it long happily. So did Brentford. You know, it's about doing it well. I think when we were when we had Harris, I remember that beat Bristol City two 0 and I think it was Ben Marshall and and Jed Wallace got the goals. And some of the football, like we were playing, it was unbelievably fluid. People moving. I think Ben Marshall and Jed Wallace both both played left wing for periods of that game, and we had one striker and one like. So it's not about being regimented and just labouring and hammering the same thing, but it's about being exciting. And those those wins. The the Birmingham, especially the comeback against Stoke, they've been really exciting. They've been really, really exciting forward performances. And it's not necessarily been, it's been 4 4 2. It's been a back five that kind of changes shape to a four. It's like a version. It's been, yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. fluid, you know, with, with Murray Wallace and Scott Malone, how they kind of change on the left. Like Scott Malone pushes so high, even if we're playing a back five, it's a four. And there's, you know, Bradshaw and Afobi working together well. And, and that, it's unsurprising that Millwall fans have got off their seats for that. And it's not because they've... Millwall fans don't go, go along with the little tactics board to the game. Look at how he's lined up and go, hang on, move the little counters around and go, it is 4-4-2, we can clap. It's not about that. It's, the players are getting forward quickly. We're attacking and, you know, against Birmingham. It's the effort. Yeah, but when Birmingham, you know, pulled one back, we kept going. Like I say, when yeah. were we? Yeah, ever yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, it was it was the performance levels and it's the energy. And I know that in the championship, that's really hard to have every game. And that's why I guess traditionally Mill have been a bit more of a sit back and counter attack team away from home. 
because in away games, the crowds kind of sustain themselves. And then if you can give them a bit of excitement, it lifts the levels even more. Whereas at home, you need to provide that excitement. And, you know, that's probably been the main criticism that Rowett's had labelled at him. It's that boring, boring Gary Rowett, you know. And Your football is shit. Exactly. It was told that quite quite firmly at Peterborough, you know, wasn't it? And it's not, and it's not. You he shocks me as a vain man. It's not, well, it's that not that hurt. he's not trying, you know, it's not that he's not trying, it's not that he is completely stubborn and arrogant to hear that and not be interested in changing it because we've seen the season, he has changed it, he's tried to address it. It's whether or not he can and he truly wants to, in terms of you know, he's probably happier to be one new up and grind it out than to gamble and go for a second. Press and on I think for that second, yeah, what, no, I agree with that. I think Harris always used to be press on for the second. Until he mm. wasn't, and then it started going badly. Wrong, you know? yeah, exactly. So that's Harris got to the stage where by the time he left, everyone kind of knew he wanted the draw, and if we could nick a win, he'd be happy with it. And at times, Rowett has seemed to dip into that and dip out of it, and so that's what's been think... really hard with making out Millwall this year because we are swinging from one performance to the other, and at this rate, it doesn't look like we're going to be good enough to be in the top six. And you look at sides that are, the sides that are up there are. It's, it's again about that foresight. Is you know Coventry okay? They've traditionally been a, a, a top side or you know a higher side than Millwall have been traditionally, but they're not that rich. They've had a load of financial troubles. Luton teams like that who are being clever in recruitment and playing and having managers who are doing something a bit differently. Mark Robbins at Coventry, they play brilliant football at Coventry. They have some players. They have some amazing players. Callum O'Hare is fantastic. Um, they've got Hamer in midfield who's just. You know, I think he's Paraguayan and he just runs all day. He's the traditional like Argentinian number six who just is aggressive, who Millwall fans would love. They've got a load of exciting players. Luton are the same. They've got players who really put on a show and they don't have a load of money either. Like there are teams that are showing it as possible in the championship. Not necessarily always. You know, you look at someone like Barnsley who got to the playoffs and now look like they get relegated. Okay, their manager's been changed, but... At this level, you have to be prepared to sell players on, and you have to have a plan going forward. Can I? Can I also say that you know, if we rewind this pod to a year ago, we're sitting here last Christmas, and we're talking about I think we just started the losing run around this time. Yeah, um, we had an awful run, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone yeah. was telling me, everyone was telling me how good Ryan Woods was and what a fucking loss Ryan Woods would be <laughs> if we didn't have Ryan Woods. Um, who's doing really well at Birmingham, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's his style of football. That's his style of player, um, which isn't ours. And that's the, that's the disconnect. And that's why, I'm, I, I, you know, you can only judge him on what he's done. And I'm only judging him on what he's done. I'm just re-highlighting that this is Gary Rowett. This, I think this is his zenith. He's not going to get us any higher than where he's been getting us. Tenth is about where you're going to finish with Gary Rowett. That is where we are going to finish. Tenth, eleventh, twelfth. But they're much of the match. I'd rather go, you know, call me old fashioned. I'd rather Mill will go out on their sword um, than, than do this. And and I think a lot of Mill fans feel the same. I, I know there are people that feel my way of thinking. I know there's people that are going, shut up, you're a wanker, stop talking like that. We've been in League One, blah, blah, blah. But the difference is, when I don't want us to go down and I don't want us to sack Gary Rowick necessarily. I just want us to be better. I just, I just want us to, uh, ch- like, I want us to aspire to be more. 
I don't care about like grinding out drawers away from home. I just want you to do the right thing at the den. And he seems to be the other way around, traditionally, with our results under Rowett, that we've been stronger away from home than we have been at home. And that could, okay, that's probably swayed by the pandemic. This is where you're going to get your money for your transfers is in winning games at home to put bums on seats to get money. That's how you generate. I your, mean, the money, the know. money issue is important, boys, because I mean, obviously, you know, the accounts were published last week, and I think it was thirteen point something million that uh, John Barrelson's going to have to cover from the loss. One um, Jake Cooper. <laughs> yeah. um, not helped with the pandemic, but then nobody's been helped by the pandemic in 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 our life at all. Um, there's also the other factor, and I was just listening to um, Aaron's um, 72 plus podcast just before we were we've come on this call today. Um, there was an interview with Steve Kavanagh, and um, it was interesting how much I think the club is committed to this um, training ground move out to West Kingsdown, out near uh, Brands Hatch. Um, I was also coincidentally just editing um, an interview that Michael did with with Sean Daly, the the community trust man. Um, obviously, he's not coming from a football direction particularly, but he's more the kind of work in the community. But the club is really committed to this move, um, move, relocation of the training ground to West Kingsdown. They see it as a potential source of new support from that part of Kent, Seven Oaks, and 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 uh, I guess Dartford and surrounding towns out out that way. Um, and that's not going to come cheap. Um, you know, we've already touched on the cost of potentially of, of, of the team being rebuilt at the end of the season. Who knows mm. where um, Gary Rowett's going to fit into that and any replacement, because as Ryan's already said, you know, you, you've got two routes in champion in the championship. One is to spend on, on big players or the other is to try and do what the likes of Luton and Coventry are doing, which is to bring in lesser known lights and, and build something. Yeah. Um, Expensive. Some some routes are very expensive, and we 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 don't have we we're going to have much in the way of cash to slosh around on on the on the kind of grandstand route, shall we call it? Recruitment, recruitment is I think has been a big issue at Mill for the last few years. Not that we haven't got good players now, not all of them, but we have had some. We have got some good players, Harry. You can pull that face, but some of our players are actually quite good, and it's not like every transfer has been a disaster, but. There've been enough in there to make you concerned, and I think my main concern with with Mill's recruitment and and the history of it is we is resale value. That's how you know we got third. Like Harry said, we've got thirteen million pounds worth of debt. That's not that is two sales at championship level now. That's two decent sales, maybe one, maybe one, maybe one really good, maybe one prime Jed Wallace or. To Prime and okay, you need to replace them, but that's where the recruitment comes in. And you know, Jed Wallace is we bang on about it quite a lot. I especially do. Jed Wallace will go for free at the end of the summer, and we will lose 15 to 20 million pounds because of it. And that is, I obviously, you know, I'm not saying the club have slept walked into that and you know, just kind of twiddled their thumbs and they've just watched uh Jed Wallace free kicks compilations over and over again while his contracts run down. Obviously, Jed Wallace had a conversation with the club, he's a He's one of our most committed players. He does love Millwall a lot. And he does, I'm sure yeah. they've been in yeah. that conversation yeah. about his future. And this is where it's got to. You know, it might depend on how we finish this season, whether or not he stays. And I, like we say, as we're going at the moment, I don't think he will. So it does come back to recruitment. If you look at some of some of Gary Rowett's signings, say, so George Evans has probably Pointless. zero resale value. Mason Bennett, potentially, probably not. Uh, Keefton Bell, zero resale value. 
Um, okay, didn't sign Alex Pierce, but zero resale value. Um, Matt Smith. Yeah, but he did resale. give a he did give a contract to Pierce. He gave an extension to Pierce. Yeah, didn't bring him in. And I would say Pierce is maybe a bit of an outlier because he wasn't brought in to make profit. And he did. A job I think he's seen more as an influence in the dressing room. He must, exactly. he must be a really so lovely, must be a really lovely support. bloke to be worth that. Yeah, yeah but that's <laughs> but that's again touching on that about wages. That's fucking. I'm, I'm presuming he's picking up. I'm presuming he's not doing it out the goodness of his heart, and nor should he. But you know, he's probably picking up five grand a week. Let's be honest. You know. Yeah. We I, all can stand walk around the training ground chatting encouragement slogans. I mean, bring on. I'm, I'm a lovely bloke. I'd so, do it for five grand yeah, a week. Exactly. This is, but that touches on to what you're saying about that point. That point is you've just mentioned all those players and they are just a drain. They are just a drain on your wages and your resources. That, it doesn't matter that they haven't cost you any money this year. It's the deal yeah. that you sign them on. Um, we haven't even got to the elephant in the room. I mean, it wasn't signed by, by Mr. Um, by Mr. Rowett, but he is without doubt up there of a long line of bad Millwall strikers that have cost money and gone on yeah. to be shit. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to well, mention his name. Well, there's him, the uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the uh, Icelandic king, frozen supermarkets finest player. Um, but there's him and and there's Conor Mahoney. And Conor Mahoney. I was just looking at Conor Mahoney. Been mismanaged, but yeah. has also struggled with injury. And again, not a Gary Rowett signing, you know, but they were, these were two, those were two signings who at the end of Harris's, you know, big summer reboot when he made eight signings and they all looked quite good. And, you know, we got Bill Kavsky off for that, uh, that window, another Great. one who's been, who's been good, but again, zero resale. Um, but Conor Mahoney and, yeah. and the unmentionable, who we won't mention, the uh, not even reserve player at the moment, that will be at the end of this year, two million pounds given away for free. That Millwall can't yeah, really yeah. afford to do, and Mahoney, but that will be because they don't want to waste. That's a new, that's a new gym, gymnasium at the new training. I, I'd now, argue, I'd amazing. argue that the the Bart one's paid for itself. I mean, yeah. I know it's got no resale value. I mean, he's so valuable to no, that exactly. squad. That is not he's, every he's impact. Yeah, but but I get your point in terms of resale value. But the amount of points that how good he is, oh, it, of course, you know, of if he was, if he had two, let's put it this way, if he had had two knees. That had passed the medical, Millwall wouldn't, uh, you know, nobody else, we wouldn't be able to touch him because somebody else would have signed him. We took a gamble and it's ended up paying off magnificently. I'll yeah. touch wood so he does, his knee doesn't go, but there yeah, we go. So um, do, do. But, the, but the point is, is that the squad's unbalanced. The squad was unbalanced before, it's got further unbalanced this season. But coming from my limited understanding of uh, recruitment and scouting and so on and so forth. The fact that Millwall allow so many players from their catchment area, they don't see them and they can't tempt them into our academy system is a long-term problem. But it does have short-term... You, you, there are solutions to that. There are yeah. massive solutions to that. And I, I do question, and I have questioned for a long time, the link between, I know the club does fantastic work, community trust, so on and so forth. There seems a disconnect between what we do in terms of community charity to compared to what we do for community footballing assets. So we don't, I wouldn't say, I don't see the academy players enough at the den. I don't see them at the den enough. That academy, they should be be there for nothing. It shouldn't, all these kind of perks, you don't see that at the den. I don't know if other clubs do that. I don't know if we have to be the first club to do that. But it's all interlinked at making you feel like you're part of the club. Yeah. And I don't think we do that because you've got to, 
we have to do something different because we're a smaller club. Why would you come to us when you've got West Ham over the road who are in the yeah. Champions League, in the in the Premier League? Why would you do when you've got Arsenal down the road? Why would you do... You know, you can ask this about all these questions. They have to do something yeah. different. The training ground is going to be part of that. You know, that's definitely part of why they want to do that. Calmont Road is not not a top facility, to put it no, like... No, of course not. Um, so addressing that is a big... You know, that's always uh, touted as a big reason of when you get players in and you want to sign, you know, you show them around the facilities and, and kind of wow them with it. I think that that might be a bit of a media comment on thinking footballers are really, really thick all the time. But I think it does matter. If that, that's essentially where you work. There was a thing last year, weren't there, in the pandemic? I think we weren't still going to games, but they'd done that football manager thing that if you had to play your players that were within five miles of your ground or something like that. And I think off the top of my head, I think we had Jordan Sancho playing for us and we had you know, like some mad side that basically... No, I can't think of the players. But, this, but it was it was on that level. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, everyone was like, oh, so, well, they, they'd, you know. they'd walk all these things. But that's not, you know, there has been instances of Mill being, having players stolen to Manchester City and Liverpool. Yeah. I remember, was it David and Moo? I remember, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, from years ago. You know, so the club do make these decisions. And the problem is, is and this is, I'm going to touch on the fan-led review, that you should all write to your MP, people listening, you should write to your MP and you should say that you want them to vote through the fan-led review. I, I've done that. I actually, although our, our MP would be in favour of it. Because yeah. it, it is a massive thing, because what the Premier League did in terms to fuck over sides like Millwall and other smaller clubs, is that you don't get the monetary value that you should do for if you find the player, you put years into the player, it's done on, you get like five grand for the first year, 10 grand for the second year, 15 grand, then it goes to arbitration, which in the grand scheme of things isn't good enough because that's not fair. That's a lot of money to Joe Bloggs down the street, but it's nothing compared to, you know, 189 million for Mbappe and the 350 grand a week that Mbappe Yang's getting at Arsenal. These, you know, this needs to be addressed. And this plays back into if you level the playing field, you know, that's a bigger issue for football. But what Millwall can do in their own time is make sure that we've got five David Amus in the side, not just one. Oh, I know he went on to do nothing, but that's not the point. You don't know that at 14, 15. It just needs to be better. Like, there's yeah. a lot of things at the club at the moment, not just the you have to look at yourself. We have to look at ourselves and see whether or not we're doing the best that we can do. And I think in some some aspects, we're not doing good enough. And and you you know, you've got to question the motivation of people why they want to be at Millwall. Sometimes you know, is it is it because no one will take that job? Is it because you're the best person for the job? Is it you know you've got to ask these questions? And I think. By the sounds of it, Cab's got an idea of what he wants us to be and, and, and where he wants to go with it. But you've got to bring the fans on board. And in the meantime, while we're doing this, you know, you're letting, you know, I feel like we're, at, I know you said at the start, you feel like we're at a crossroads. I feel like we say this every January, you know. And <laughs> well, the, as, last few as, years, the last few years, it has felt almost every end of season or every transfer, it's a bit of a, well, what do we do now? Um, but on that, the, the 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 development side of things at the youngster, I think that it's it's really hard at the moment for Millwall because we're we're also we're a category two academy in a a sea of category ones, and it you know it's it's quite hard for us to compete with that. And and every team now is looking in South London for players. So you know Liverpool and Everton and Manchester United, Man City, like it's hard. And and like Harry says, the, the elite player performance plan thing, where you can literally just pick players now and mm. go. 
thanks to for training them up to 17 we'll have them now like Harvey Elliott went to Fulham you know he was came for at Fulham and they're not a bad side not a bad academy then Liverpool just signed him for free and then have been told to pay 1.2 million pounds for it so for Millwall it's that's we had that that um Eddie Oze go to Man City I think last season I think we got 1.4 million for it in tribunal maybe around there but seven figures but we've trained him up since he was a child you know he's from Lewisham but you know if Man City come knocking on your door yeah. at that age you're not really going to say no I remember your head is turned like isn't it? the Millwall in you turns around and hopes that he gets a cruciate knee ligament injury but that's the Millwall in you but you know this is um these yeah. are these are people's <laughs> lives and decisions but this is you can't it's hope it's part of it though I remember best thing I remember watching Sunderland <laughs> I die or rewatching it not too long ago and Josh Madger who was in League One there I think he's now at Bordeaux went to Fulham on loan and is a decent striker he's from Lewisham and I remember sitting watching it being like why isn't he playing for Millwall you know he's from Lewisham and this probably is what I'm saying, this is what I'm saying about like and he's playing for Sunderland this is what I'm saying about like we've all been to the den when it's not full you know, we've all been there and you sit there and you think the away fans are going to bring 12 people and you sit there and you see all that space behind the goal and just like literally, I know it's COVID and whatever, but you literally sit there and go, there are, we're in one of the most deprived areas of London, you know, mm-hmm. Lewisham and, and, and Southwark are not exactly awash with money um, in terms of their local services. And you feel like they're not selling those seats behind the ground. Give the kids, and I'm talking kids. Oh, blimey. Those that, 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 you'd be amazed how much heat gets generated over giving kid, local kids tickets to get them in to watch the Millwall, especially if they turn up wearing Arsenal shirts or Chelsea shirts or something. Yeah, but you know. this, this, this People get point, so annoyed right? over I, this kind of stuff. I, I know, but just give it... But then, uh, what? So, what's the difference? So, we give it, they, oh. they wear a Chelsea shirt and an Arsenal shirt and um, whatever, and they wear a shirt or whatever. Or are they like, one of, think, oh, that club was nice to me. That club was nice to me. I, I might now support that club, or you might. Well, uh, that, that's yeah, that's, that's basic or whatever. Because at the moment, we're not getting anything out of that. So you might as well change that anyway. You might as well change was, the perception. Was, You're um, challenging the perception. What, I was, what trying, else I was, I was going to meet. Um, I was going to meet. Um, I can't remember. It was on the MSC. It's going back a couple of years, and I went over that blue bus, and it was back when you could sit on the blue bus. You know, so I sat on the <laughs> got on the bus. I was waiting for. Um, I think it was Bob. Might have been from Bob from the MSC. I, I can't remember who it was. So I'm sitting on the bus in that little side seat as you get off the the, the, the platform. Um, and I think a, a bloke came over foaming at the mouth with, with anger. He thought I was a member of the MSC sitting there, so he's going to have a go at me about freebies being given out to local kids because some have turned up wearing Arsenal shirts or something. I can't remember. He was doing his nut, he was. And um, I said, I'm not on the MSC, mate. He said, well, you're on the bus, so therefore you are the MSC because you're sitting on their bus. <laughs> You've got to stop all these freebies, all these freemans coming around <laughs> If that person does listen to the show, I'd I like doubt to he listens to the brief. show. Oh, oh, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a very brief summary of it. They don't send out, you can't wear this t shirt on the ticket that they give out to a nine year old, right? It's, it's not, the nine year old doesn't know any better, right? I'm going to assume. And you've got it to gets very irrational out there, right? Yeah, um, and it is, that did come out, didn't they? The club survey, was it last year or beginning of this season or over the summer? You know, our our supporter demographic is, I think, like a lot of football, struggling for younger fans. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is a yeah, yeah. that is a problem yeah. that I think Millwall might. It's a it's not an elephant in the room for Millwall, but it is something that I think in the the mid mid term future maybe might come up that 
a lot of our fans, you know, don't live in Bermondsey. Yeah, they don't. No, the majority, I would probably say, of the match day fans don't come from a twenty-five minute walk away. No, they've, you know, they've moved out. They're like they're moving their training ground to yeah. quite a way away from Calmont Road, where it is now. And uh, that's yep. not you know, Chelsea train out in Surrey. You know, they're, they're still based at Chelsea, but you know, it was mooted with the um, yeah, in Cobham, like the it was mooted. You know, with the the compulsory purchase order. You know, whether or not the club relocates to to Dartford. Yeah, is is it on the the long term? I know they've got the potential stadium development plans, which I think have died down a bit because of COVID and financial restrictions. But then they have maybe the training grounds the cheaper option. But is the club's future? And not saying I would want them to move at all because I mean it's still closer to me, and I think Millwall is where Millwall is. But is the club's future in Bermondsey? You know, is that is that going to be sustainable for generating new fans and for bringing fans in? Is you know it, it gets it's to an interesting question. Well, I mean, to, I can only... If you want that to happen, you need to do things like I've just mentioned. That's that's exactly. the point. You need to interest these people. There's not Hello, a large, Barry. there's I not a large the industry. Listening yeah. to, to Sean Daly on on the other show, I've literally just put it online, listeners. So I don't think they put the chance to put anything out on social media. But if you listen to the interview it's it was really interesting um because um i think the community trust is seen very much at the heart of precisely what we're driving at i think Mm. which is to establish more linkage with the local community in bermondsey and also down at west kingsdown because i think that's also seen as a new source of um support um you know a a place that isn't necessarily a millwall hotbed or maybe it is i don't know but um i think they do see it as as a as a, a source for routes to be laid down there so I think the club do do have ideas and plans and we've, we've got to keep our fingers crossed it does work out because, you know, as we've said many, many times over the years, I mean, the support is is largely blokes over, aged 30 plus, uh, 30 to, to, to 60 to 70, you know, and we do need to get these younger fans and it's, it's just a, a matter of survival. So there we are. Anyway, I don't want to depress us all too much, listeners. Um, we seem to have... We, we, I, I was just thinking with... we've come a long way from uh, how do we end up in the top six and is it Raul's fault? <laughs> you know, yeah. from 50 minutes but ago. No, but no, it all leads, I think it's... <laughs> Three months and it'll all be gone. There won't be anyone left. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting because it's it, it's a it's a, a sort of an elephant. I know you said it is an elephant in the room, but it is because after that survey that you did, you took the time, people took the time to fill that out. I mean, I personally yeah. didn't, but yeah. I mean, there's other people that did. Um, <laughs> And you know, you can't. I can't moan that the club don't listen to people really because I didn't take the time to fill it out. Um, but it's because they're letting all these kids in with their Arsenal shirts on. Yeah, apparently that's our main yeah. problem. Not the fact that not the fact that we got, we don't um, hold on to players like every the Eze and uh, Jordan Sancho and so on and so forth. But no, yeah, you know, no, they don't we um we just need no, to do a little bit a little bit more. I think the work you know I compare it to the girls' side of things in terms of. If I look at what the MCT have done with the Lionesses, I know people will laugh, it's women's football, whatever, you know, that's your opinion. But you look at how connected that is and now they're involved in the goal of the month stuff. Um, mm. The girls' goals get included on the on the thing and, and yeah, so on and so that. forth. That's that. that's growing. That's growing that side of the club. And that's really good. Yeah. But you need to do that with some form of aspect of including younger fans. And they're doing really well with that. And, uh, you know, you've got to take your hat off to them for doing yeah. that. But not every men's club is doing that for their girls clubs, but that, yeah. but that, 
that's something that won't get picked up in the press, but they need to do no. more stuff like that. And the yeah. more stuff they do like that, the better, you know, the better the club will be seen in the modern world, shall we say. Mm. That's it. It's not for the one to try and, is it, at all of this stuff? And, you know, to bring it back to the initial thing of trying to bring the club on, it's not for the one to try and that that we are where we are. It's You can see the the club seem to make the, the decision that they think is right and, and they they're trying the best. It doesn't always work out. And like you say, Harry, it's it it, it it's a it's a gamble. You know, it's it, it doesn't really work out all the time. And I think that it needs to get like you mentioned earlier on, a, maybe a bit slick and a, not a bit more professional because that that sounds insulting to people who are there at the moment. But behind the scenes, especially, you know, maybe Mill will need to look at that before looking at what's happening on the pitch and and what we're necessarily immediately doing in January. Do we need to take one step back? Maybe not as far as we've gone, but what is the plan for 18 months? What is the future for 18 months? How are we going to sustain ourselves? I'd look at the idea of that. It's a very simple idea to get certain things right. That gen- like It's all about revenue streams for me. Like If you're looking there and you're sitting there as like the commercial director of the club, you look at revenue streams of where can we make more money? You know, Things that make it very simple for me is that Mill fans like beer. So let's make sure the beer's good. That That's a very simple... <laughs> make sure like the beer's back, cheap. Back make like it. Yeah. No, but th- 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 these, are, these are things that, you know, these are things that you can't get wrong. You know, the charging Macron as a kit director probably is not a great idea. We don't sell many kits, but the ones we do sell would be handy if they lasted a season without losing the eye off the Husky. You know, these How are... You are supposed these... to buy them next year, though, Harry? If they last more than a season, then people won't buy the one no. next year. Mm. Look, 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 there's a different. There's I don't a different understand project. capitalism, Warren. <laughs> no, no, I do understand capitalism, but you just change the kit, home shirt kit color every year. That's the idea. This is very hey, subtle, hey. very subtle. You go. What you do is you do what every other club, inspired by the 1992 season, and then change the color completely. But but it's it's very simple to do these things, and I just feel like we we never. You know, there was a stage earlier on, like a stage earlier on in my working life where I was out of work, and I thought, you know what, with my with my retail ex retail life on, I thought, oh, I could apply to run the mill shop. It must be the easiest thing to run in the world because anyone can run this. This is competent to have shirts at times when people want to buy shirts. You know, the summer uh, and so on and so forth. And this seems beyond the mill shop in its previous guise. I mean, you can do it up as much as you want, but these are simple things. And they've, they've been leveled at the club in my entire life of going 31 years on this planet. The same complaints about the club, about the beer being shit and the club shop being shit are the same complaints of support. Nothing ever changes now, I don't, I, then, mate, I, 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 Yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is the same at West Ham. I, I was, funny enough, I was speaking, talking about West Ham. I was um, talking to a friend of mine who went to West Ham, he, he, he took, he's got four kids and he took his, the other week he took them to West Ham. And I said, what was it like? I said, you, like the usual jokes, did you need binoculars? You know, uh, you're welcome <laughs> for the stadium, these kind of things. Um, but they, they, they charge the same, regardless of how far you are, because of the unique way that that stadium was constructed for the Olympics, that the food outlets are on the outside and it's a walk yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But they now sell you two pints in a, Pint, like a two pint jug to try and speed up people and also the two pints work out if you buy two two pint pots work out cheaper than buying a one pint pot and I literally thought this is the kind of commercial decisions you couldn't do at Millwall because giving Millwall fans four beers instead of the two beers that you were originally going to give them only ends in FA inquiry it doesn't end in anything else <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a good note to leave it on, boys. I think if we haven't depressed people by now, then this, you know we, we would have no squad, no manager, and and, and maybe Angelo Peretti be back in May. That'd be the only new acquisition. Yeah, he's poor um, though. Angelo Peretti is poor. <laughs> Our new Italian signing. Eh? We're starting looking at out in Europe. <laughs> I've heard too many. Like when Nick was on Wall Talk, you know, um, when they asked you about your eleven. And I couldn't believe some of the names that you'd left out of great Millwall players, you know. Like, uh, they gave me no notice. Carl, I, I'd have had a, like, a, a notice. Of, I'd have Carl, planned that. I was thinking along the lines of Carl Osaba, Carlos Fandango, Abu Fakar. Yeah, one. All these, all these legendary names. It's a lot funner to do a shit Millwall eleven. That should have been well, just. That, that the, I know the whole club's thing. official. I know the club's official podcast probably don't want to talk about the shit Millwall players that we've had down the line, but that that is where the real content is at. As we're we're lurching into a like a non-lockdown zone, we might well fall back on the shittest Millwall eleven on this podcast because we're going to need to fill some content out. But for the time being, boys, I just want to say thank you, um, thank you, Ryan, thank you, Harry. Thank you to you too, dear listeners, for sticking with the show. Hope we haven't depressed you too much. And we're all doomed when the war breaks out between Russia and Ukraine in, in May. And there's no squad and there's no manager. Only Angelo Peretti to console us. Thank you for listening, dear listeners. Bye for now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Over to Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.